business, sports, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. VoiceAmerica.com. Advertising Pavilion for our very first session here <laughs> on the North Hall floor. And I'm excited to introduce our moderator for our first session, which is the Opportunities in Vertically Focused Networks. And that's John Roberts, who is a digital executive. He was most recently at Buna Murray. Um, long history of building shows and really leading digital, bringing digital to to networks. Now we're having some technical difficulties, of course, at a technology media show. So we had some videos to show. We're working on that. So we're going to dive into the talk portion first, and then I'm going to scurry over to Friedman and beat some people up and see if I can get the videos working. So just um, bear with us as, as I uh, scramble. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting live from voiceamerica.com, here is John Roberts. Right. Thank you, Lori. And if anyone has a Mac doggle at NAB, Please go see Jeremy. Um, anyways, we've got really a great panel today. I'm really excited to talk with these guys and hope that um, one thing I want to just set up from the beginning, if you have questions, I'm not going to wait till the end. Just please raise your hand and I'll fit it in and that way we have a nice conversation going. Um, so talking about you know the vertically focused networks in today's landscape, it's, it's changing every year. It's, it's like insane how fast things are moving. Like you know five, six years ago, uh, YouTube was doing like this whole thing about launching channels and doing these things where they're giving potential creators five million dollars to create channels. That was kind of an experiment that, that they said. It was an exp expensive experiment. Then they started working on the whole thing with influencers. So today, what we're going to focus on is a bunch of networks that have actually have track records that are actually succeeding, those that are also in launch mode, and then some platforms that are kind of brand new to the marketplace. It's kind of taking things and kind of mirroring them together. So I'm just going to go down the line and let each panelist introduce themselves, and then we'll get into a nice conversation with Amy. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Can you hear me? Nope. Hello? Hello? Okay. Hi, everybody. Good morning. It's great to be here. My name is Amy Helfand, and I am the founder and CEO of Family League. We are a multi-platform network that is vertically focused on family, and I can't wait to show you our sizzle. <laughs> it's yes. very exciting. Olivia? Hi. <laughs> We're going to use finger puppets. Hi, my name's, <laughs> Hi, my name's Olivier Delfoss. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Style Hall. We are the world's biggest community of fashion and beauty content creators. We work with over 5,500 creators in 81 countries around the world. And we have offices in Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, London, and Singapore. So we really are a global company. Testing one, two, three. Okay. <laughs> uh, my name is Philip Debevoise, and I'm the founder and CEO of Citizen.tv, which is a lifestyle and travel platform. Um, I'm also an investor in this space, uh, invested yeah. in the early days of Style Hall and some other companies, uh, and co-founded uh, Machinima, which was the first multi-channel network on YouTube for video gamers. Hi, uh, Jeff Weber, CEO of Zone TV. Uh, Zone TV is a company that bridges the OTT. Can you hear? We okay now? Okay. Hi, Jeff Weber, CEO of Zone TV. So, Zone TV bridges the OTT and pay TV space. So, there's this explosion in OTT world. We have a belief that the pay TV operators, cable, satellite, telcos, are going to be around a long time. And we're in the business of taking digital first 
On the other hand, uh, our study of UMIT application has revealed that more preferred information is uh, camera shooting direction, especially. That's uh, good. Okay. Um, uh, and bridging those two worlds together. So really taking content that's getting created in a separate ecosystem and making it work in a traditional pay TV. And we're playing around. Okay. <laughs> so I'm understanding that we actually have videos working now, is that correct? Jeremy? Still working the connector. Okay, on that note. So, we need a lot of background. Do we know what that is? Let's just listen to this panel. <laughs> Interesting, right? They, they gotta be better than us so far. I mean, so far. <laughs> Use the mic? Okay. So Amy, let's start with you. I mean, you and I have had this conversation, like we're both parents, and one of the things that my son, who's five years old, he'll never know that YouTube is not a network. He watches this as though it's just TV anytime he wants. Um, Amy and I were talking, said she found a void in the marketplace, and that's kind of how this whole family league. Can you talk a little bit about how that, how you approached that and kind of what your learnings were to get from A to Z in, in launching all this? Certainly. So um, it was actually out of a personal need as a new mom. You know, I was in the weeds with a newborn and uh, was buying all the books you're supposed to buy, but who's got time to read these books when you have a newborn and you haven't slept? So I jumped online like millions of parents and I was searching for a video resource to kind of guide me and I couldn't find it. I was on that baby center with like millions of parents and I was reading 14 page articles on introducing a pacifier and I thought there has to be a quicker, better way where I have a 90 second video to tell me what to do. I just, I can't sit here and read a whole book on cloth diapering. So I researched the market, it didn't exist. And my background, I was a movie trailer producer for a decade. So that short format programming was my sweet spot. And uh, I decided, you know, if it doesn't exist, it should, so let's start. And literally we started the company trying to just get parents through baby's first year. Just empowering them with information and video to guide them on that. And as the content, you know, was launched and our viewers, you know, would watch it, they would request more content. Hey, what do you have in the baby care space? What do you have in product reviews? Because parents are inundated with what to buy, what to do. So we really started the company just sort of responding to the community that we were building and creating content that they were really searching for. And that was a really, really uh, important decision for us because we built a community that out of, out of, you know, sort of servicing the needs that they, that they needed. So that's how we started in the baby space. And as their kids grew and their families grew and our audience grew, you know, they'd say, what do you have for two-year-olds, four-year-olds, six-year-olds? And then we just became a full-fledged family network. That's, I mean, again, and when you, when you walk at that and you start to look at your audience, I mean, and you really talk about a laser-focused group, I swear to God. Um, <laughs> How are you approaching this with, with brands and advertisers? I'm going to guess that this is very well received. Absolutely. I mean, moms and you know, new parents are a very coveted demographic, certainly with family brands. And uh, our content is very premium. We have deep relationships with some of the biggest digital influencers in the family space. And that's very important because they're very influential. And, you know, the millennial generation is the largest in the history of our nation. And 90% of new moms are millennials. And they're consuming their content on their smartphones. So... 
brands are not, you know, they're really flocking to digital. They're, they're flocking to content like ours and they're saying, you know, how can we partner? So, you know, there's obviously indirect advertising and revenue that to be made on YouTube, but there's more importantly, the branded integration where we create brand experiences for our community. Speaking of brand integration, Style Hall, you guys have this down to an art. I mean, when you look at like, you know, CoverGirl, Walgreens, L'Oreal, SK2, and how you guys have done brand integrations. Like, you know, coming from a traditional like Fremantle and coming to Style Hall, what are some of your learnings and what are the things that you're doing to work with brands and be very, you know, collaborative in that? Yeah, so for, <clears throat> obviously, the Style Hall, or the Style uh, Vertical is is right for doing um, brand integration deals. And the foundation of our business, when it was started six years ago, started out really hot on that. And us being very vertically focused allowed us to carve out a very substantial business uh, in, that, uh, in that avenue. What I would say the change has been over the past couple of years has been interesting, uh, especially big you know, CPG companies and fashion and beauty companies are becoming much more sophisticated about how they view advertising. So we have kind of pivoted to being more of a data-first organization. So where we would get a proposal and two years ago, we would say this influencer actually looks like the brand. We never look at that anymore. It first goes to this heavy-duty business intelligence team we have internally, and they map all these data points about why that creator actually is, per is pertinent before we even go to evaluating it from a, um, like, I guess, a looks, it looks like the brand type of view. And that's been very substantial for us in a competitive sense. Um, and it's really been a big transition for our business. And that is a pivot. When you really, in the beginning, it was a lot about the influencers and how they drove the content yeah. and how you worked with them. So now it's not so much influencer heavy, it's a, you've created a brand. Now that brand can go anywhere, everywhere. So beyond your own distribution outlets, you're working with all the other ones as well, correct? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, the, the creators obviously have their own massive footprints on, the, on all the platforms now. So for us, you know, an initial campaign two, three years ago was YouTube-centric. Now it's very split, you know, and for us, Instagram, I think, is going to be the biggest platform. There was a recent study that came out that said, you know, uh, Instagram by far is going to have the most influencer marketing spend out of any platform, I think, by t 2020. So um, for us, being able to, to make sure that we had advertising products that um, um, were on those platforms and that we were leveraging as our creators created a massive foundation of audience there, um, was really important for the success of the company. Okay, so Citizen, Philip, the new new kid on the block. I mean, and but you come from an expertise of launching one of the most successful MCNs to date. I mean, Machinima was a very low, laser focused for for the video gamers and and the influencers. I mean, you guys went through two different iterations of Machinima and had major major success. And then you launch, you walk out and say, "I'm going to do something brand new," which is kind of. Not the easiest thing to do. So, what did you? What learnings did you take from Machinima and applying them to Citizen, and where where you're going with that? Well, I think even to what you're saying with respect to the, um, sorry, John was saying about pivoting. I think it's really an evolution um, in terms of what you know, Style Hall and these other large brands are going through. It's not the fact that they're pivoting in a different way. They're evolving with the industry, right? You're going from presenting talent 
to actually now being able to provide rich data, business analytics, the same way that the networks do it, the same way that the cable industry does. You know, digital media is now sort of emerging and evolving to have that kind of sophistication, that kind of business intelligence. Uh, with respect to Citizen, you know, I'm, I guess I, I, I always say I'm unemployable, so I always have to start new things. And uh, Machinima was uh, an amazing journey for us. We recently sold it to Warner Brothers last November. You know, I think uh, we have about 150 million viewers a month, about 2 billion views a month around the world. And it started with a laser focus, as you were saying, in going after an audience of gamers who were creating content using those video games. Once we ac accumulated a large enough audience, we started developing our own original programming, doing shows like Mortal Kombat, Bite Me, Receiver, things like that, and then evolving to multiple platforms. And I think with Citizen, same with Machinima, you saw, I saw an opportunity in the marketplace and also a personal uh, need and desire and passion the same way Amy has for Family League uh, to resolve some problems, I think. And mine was around how we uh, experience and share, you know, kind of ourselves as we explore our world locally and globally. How do we interact with content? How do we share things that we want to share with others? You know, the famous somebody sends you an email saying, I'm coming to, my, to your city, what should I do? Well, that's also a painstaking process, right? Uh, in terms of sending an email, they have to then look at those places, research them, so on. So we decided to create an integrated brand that was about lifestyle travel, but also integrate tools that allow you to easily share, uh, save, and transact with content. So we built a unique video tagging technology that allows us to tag video for places, and now we're uh, extending that to products and people and so on. Um, and as we're starting going out right now live, we're getting a lot of attention from potential media, publishing partners who want to leverage our technology and work with us because not only did we build a, a global network of filmmakers to create this content about exploring the world through a curated lens, a lens of a tastemakers who are shaping our culture. So I want to explore Paris through the lens of a chef or the lens of a designer, and that's what we're doing, but we're also providing all the tools and elements for the viewer to be able to save and share and transact those places. And that has value to traditional publishers. You know, whether it be print or media, who are looking to actually leverage and find new revenue streams for their existing content, especially video content. How can I take that video that I've created and now find new revenue streams off of that? Things like lead gen, e-commerce, you know, and other uh, advertising sort of streams. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually an early investor in this as well, and it's a really cool technology. So if you're watching a video about restaurants or hotels, you it already pops up systematically, and you can make reservations and, and find more information. It's going to be really next generation stuff. Jeff, so. We now have videos up. I'm wondering, do you want me to start with your video so then you can kind of talk a little bit about it? Because you, of all people, have the most kind of complex model, which is really cool. Hey, Jeremy, can we actually close that video and start with the fourth one? I, I want to show the Zone TV one. That would be the fourth one on there. The point is we have a bunch of uh, channels that we've created. So Foodie, LOLs, our comedy channel. There's, call it 20 or so lifestyle focused channels. And we do digital first content deals and turn them into those channels. But unlike a traditional linear channel, um, the viewer can 
with the same remote control, the same set top, same input on the back of the TV. You're just sitting there watching TV, but with us, you can do all the OTT-like things, so you can favorite, etc. We just showed Magic Wand, which is a feature that sort of best exemplifies what we do. If I'm watching a show and I love it, if I Magic Wand it, which is pressing OK on your remote, we reprogram that linear channel on the fly, which is why we call them dynamic channels. So think about Pandora-like capability that we're bringing to pay TV. No new hardware, no changing inputs on the back of the TV. So when I said we're bridging the OTT world and the pay TV world, it's the ease of sitting on your couch and doing this. But if you want to control, you want to magic wand, and the it's an OTT online backend, so the platform is very smart, like the others here, really focused on using that data and the artificial intelligence to program a channel in a very new and different way. So we have what we call zoners who uh, own an individual channel, and they'll curate it and program it like any linear operator would. But then we have our AI tools and data and uh, heuristics underneath the platform that are in a healthy competition with one another to make sure we're providing the best experience for a consumer. So it's very much about um, taking all this new fantastic content that's going on out there, created outside of the traditional pay TV ecosystem, and bringing a business model that works for the content partners, but also works for operators. So my history, uh, my last job in the corporate world was president of content and advertising at AT&T. So sort of lived through the margin compression worries and the bandwidth concerns and skinny bundles and what are we going to do. So this is very much an attempt to say, again, we believe in pay TV. I don't think the cable and satellite operators are going away anytime soon, but they must evolve. And one way, we think a clever way, is give them a bunch of channels that brings in all this digital content that they're worried about being consumed outside of their subscription model. Bring that great content along with a better experience, we think, than traditional pay TV and a business model that works on both sides. And that's sort of how we're trying to play. So I'm assuming then the operators are embracing this because you're not necessarily trying to compete with them. You're basically saying, let's add on to what you're already doing. We're, we're very clear with them. We are not competitive. This is, a, this is just like HBO. I don't know that everybody thinks we're just like HBO, but in, in terms of business model, it's a bolt-on set of channels that the consumer pays for. There's some advertising underneath it. You get a better experience, but we very much have our you know arms around the operator and are solving problems for them. So in essence, these three could be your work with you to get their content on that, that platform as well. Yeah, we are in negotiations with some of the players up here and we'll be shortly with the rest. <laughs> Look at that. This is a beautiful moment. So, Amy, when you look at something like that, and we talk about distribution, and we talk about, you know, trying to get your brand to everywhere, anywhere, you've, you've you know, I was on a panel once where we were talking about um, one person kept on saying, content is king, content is king, which is true in many ways. But without the queen, which is distribution, it doesn't matter. So when we talk about content, it's, it's important to find where you're going to distribute this. So we've talked about this as you are a destination, but how do you get your brand out there everywhere? And, and what are some of the approaches that you guys are taking? 
Well, I think it's important to know where your demographic sits, right? Where they consume the content that you're creating. For us, you know, we've been approached by a lot of companies to obviously license our content, but you want to be very smart about that and strategic because you don't want to dilute your brand and have it everywhere. So we know that moms live on Facebook. We know that uh, dads are really, you know, going to YouTube for how to, you know, change a diaper, how to swaddle. And we know that kids are, you know, on YouTube and Instagram. So we've been very mindful. Uh, however, we don't ever want to just rely on other platforms. So we actually launched our own OTT in January because we feel like we have enough content, enough franchises that we've developed that will do very, very well outside of YouTube and, and you know, the, tr the traditional platforms. You want to show it? We can, we find like, we sound we have video and audio. Wow. Oh, oh sure. Let's, Give let's, her audio too. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> I, I can't control let's see. this. It's not guaranteed. Oh, look at that. Very cool. How, now, how, let's talk. How did that happen? How did you guys get that put together? The you know, my two greatest passions in life are family and sports. So it so happened that as we were creating content and we were really focused on activities for kids because a lot of parents were requesting it, I had a meeting with Relativity and they said, you know, we have a bunch of athletes that want other things to do than just commentate, right? It's like the job that they all get offered. And they, they showed me Greg Jennings and his kids and he was out with his three daughters getting Manny's petties. And I just thought, wow. He was on my fantasy football roster, and uh, I know all his stats on the football field, but who knew he was so awesome as a dad, right? And because we're in the family space, we saw this really interesting opportunity to start partnering with athletes and their families and creating this really positive content with them and really highlighting all the dedicated men and women in sports that you never hear about because you're always hearing about all the catastrophic athletes, right? The ODs and brothels and the domestic violence stuff. And I thought, you know, we have this opportunity to take our platform and really change the narrative in sports. And I cannot tell you how many athletes were like, we have been dying for an opportunity like this because five bad apples give us all a bad name. And we're a lot of really great fathers and mothers and, you know, families out there and nobody sees it. So I called him up. We got together. We sat down and he actually we followed him in his last year. Uh, in, in the NFL um, in Miami, with the Miami Dolphins. And now, you know, he's one of our long-term partners and we're creating content with his wife. She's an entrepreneur. His kids, they all have shows on our network. That's fantastic. Um, Livy, you want to show yours? Uh, let's, let's put that yeah, up sure. and we'll, we'll do a little follow-up on that because I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the influencer market as well.
So you still obviously, influencers still play an important role. How do you approach the influencers now and as you evolve programming to more original programming and just instead of vlogging, what does that process look like and how do you guys kind of look for that, that gold? Yeah, so it, the interesting thing is um, we've seen a progression of the kind of content that our creators make as they've evolved on YouTube and to other social platforms. <clears throat> so it's interesting, we've actually launched new verticals. Um, for instance, we launched a mom's vertical, we launched a DIY vertical, and that was mainly because the, the creators that we had for, you know, uh, 10 years making content on YouTube were growing up and they were buying homes and they were buying um, or they were having kids right so it's natural that the content they were making changed and that kind of started to change our focus about helping them build businesses around what they were going to do and that's like you know Stylehall as a company has two main focuses it's helping build the creators brands even from a small creator to where they can eventually make a living out of being a creator to the biggest creator who has, you know, makes millions and millions of dollars, right? And, and then the other side is the branded, the branded entertainment side of our business. So with regards to how we work with creators, they've gotten to be, I'd, I like to say it's peak influencer right now, where um, they have gotten uh, so big, right, that they can drive major Hollywood projects, that they can sell out products, like, by putting one Instagram post. So... Is there an example of, like, someone you would say would be, like, your case study that was amazing? Yeah, um... um randomly, we... And this is actually not... That was a very female-centric, uh, um... Uh, reel that we showed you, but we just started a, a male um, lifestyle network called Hawk, and one of our recent um, uh, uh, creators that we signed is this guy Cameron Dallas, and literally every single thing this guy touches um, turns to gold. And in terms of for him, you know, I think he's got a, a, a variety of different endorsements with brands like Aeropostal and all sorts of things. Um, but for us, like he's a quintessential kind of creator that really drives kind of conversion rates. That's cool. And, and Philip, so we're going to show your video now, but then I want to talk a little bit how you're going to approach the world of the world of influencers as well as how you're going to go with content and going out and pitching to other places too. Sure. So let's uh, roll uh, the uh, Citizen reel.
you got a combination here now of both technology, very technology centric, and content also original. I know where you're out there pitching to other places. How are you approaching the blend of technology versus content and what is your priorities and focus as you evolve this brand? Well, I think uh, the germ of the idea was that, that I was frustrated and I saw a lot of people around me frustrated with a few things, like the ability to easily discover things that spoke to me. You know, TripAdvisor, Yelp were not things that I was going to, right? And when I saw things, I wanted to be able to easily interact with them. Right, video is especially one of them. I mean, I think it was, a, it was a launch pad for this idea. I was watching a video about Istanbul, and I saw it, I was mesmerized by it, I wanted to go there, and I looked at the description in the video, and then had nothing except for the camera that it was shot on. It didn't tell me anything about the places. And so I stepped back and I thought about it for a second and realized that all the video that's been created to date and is being created every day online, on television, whether it's Anthony Bourdain, whether it's Nat Geo, whether it's a Discovery, whether it's a vlogger, they're creating all this content that they want to share these experiences with you, right? Oh, this is my view of Rome or my Los Angeles. And you can't do anything with that. You cannot save that, you cannot share it, you cannot interact with it. It makes no sense. And so I thought that the next generation for me personally of content had to be integrated with tools. I should be able to look at a video, see anything that I in it, be able to save it or share it or transact with it. And the same thing with articles and so on. And then I had to have a place where to save it and, and be able to do things with it. And so the idea was that but this integrated brand of content and tools. And because of that, in a way, when Citizen launched, we kind of became the showroom for what other publishers could do using some of the technology we built. So, so Jeff, you're also very technology centric as right, well. So right. I mean, but obviously you're you're acquiring content. But when it comes to technology, I mean, what are your biggest challenges right now in getting that brand to the marketplace, and and also how are you marketing that? Yeah. So I think uh, from a tech perspective, you saw it with all three of these uh, the, the the new content that all of them have. In a linear context, it wouldn't make sense. To Amy's point, if you program a linear channel uh, with newborn and I'm interested in toddler, then I just turn, tune away. With a, with a dynamic channel, um, because it's personalized and it learns and knows your behavior or you can control it with things like Magic Wand, it gets you through that dynamic nature to the right set of content. So that's part of how we use technology all these businesses work online because they have that capability and wouldn't work in a traditional linear. So that's where I think we bring technology. We like to say it's an OTT back end with a pay TV front end, and that's the bridge that we try and put together. Um, and then we try and put that in a, from a marketing perspective, a construct that the cable and satellite operators know and understand. So it's a 695 for 22 channels. It's a, a marketing construct. They do that every day, selling bolt-ons and packages to their consumers. We get cross-channel inserts out of their ad inventory to help promote us. We have a couple channels in front of the paywall that you can sample the experience. So very traditional pay TV marketing mechanisms tied to a, a very different backend. But you're solving a problem in the sense that um, when you, I guess, it, you're solving a problem when it comes to like the clutter of OTT sometimes. Everyone's trying to launch OTT. It's almost impossible to find. And it seems like you're, you're kind of solving that with search mechanisms and being able to find those things that you like. So that's a good thing. Right. I, I think we, we do a couple of things. So um, 
if I know I love Style Hall, I'm, I love the brand, I'm going to go there and I'm find it. And, you know, they have built a fantastic business on that. What we enable in that kind of an environment is access to a pay TV world. Um, and where it, re it really hit home for me, we were doing a demo for operators, which was typically older white males around the room. Um, and they were all watching Dude Perfect content. So if you know Dude Perfect, it's really great content. None of those guys knew what Dude Perfect was, but they were really enjoying it. And to me, it, it, I was annoyed they weren't listening to my riveting pitch, but it, it, it was a bit of an epiphany that it's working the way we want. We're taking great content we're bringing it into the pay TV environment where people won't necessarily find it. And we really think what we do is open up more audience um, for the great content that's out there in an online world. So we've got about a little under, under than 10, oh, perfect. I was gonna say we're gonna open up for questions, so you can come up here and someone has a microphone that may or may not work, but we can try to take a question. <laughs> Good luck. Susan? Hi, it's Susan. I just want to know, so these sound like great channels. How do you make money? Great question. Yeah, How do we sure. make money? How do we I make money? Let's start with Amy's. I can start, yeah. Um, He's making the most money. He'll go first. So our company makes money off of, there's, there, there's uh, two ways we make money. Well, no, that weren't two ways. Um, we, when a creator joins our network, um, we take a small fraction of their revenue. Um, and then the larger majority of the revenue that's generated by the company is by working with Fortune 500 advertisers, creating big marketing campaigns that leverage the um, audience of those influencers. So that's the key, those are the key ways that we make money. We also do original content, so we do, we sell programs to TV, we sell programs to, you know, large digital outlets like Verizon and YouTube, who are now actually commissioning like TV length content. Um, we do, you know, merchandising, books, stuff like that. Question? So. Sorry, and then I'll let also. Oh, I'm sorry, Amy. these guys are making money too. Obviously, go ahead. No, no. Uh, I think on top of I mean, what they look nice, they're fed. Everyone's making money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I didn't mean that, I, you guys. So. Yeah. Now, on top of what. You're very handsome, Jeff. I'm yeah. sorry. But fat is what I heard. <laughs> on top of what Starhall is doing, which is pretty much the baseline, I think, for a lot of these larger networks, uh, there's also, I think, probably money being made from e-commerce lead generation, especially in our space, those other you know, layers of, of revenue. There's a lot of revenue to be made, I think, if you're just you know, uh, strategic about it and how you position it. But all the things probably also apply to family. So. Right. Another question? Uh, over here. This is a, more of a question for Jeff. Uh, with the Zone TV system, have you guys uh, calculated you know, how much of an increase in uh, CPMs created by the gain in analytics? By the gain? The, the, the additional analytics that you guys can provide to the advertisers. 
Yeah, um, so uh, I'm not sure we've calculated because that implies a precision that I don't think we have yet. But what we do know is because we're a cloud-based platform, all of that data, so if you'd heard the audio, you know, with us, if you don't like the channel that we've programmed for you, you could go forward and backward and you know all of the other flexibility. So all of that data we capture, and when you tune away, and if you watch the whole thing, and when you magic wand, et cetera. Um, the other piece that goes with that in a CPM is you know, the holy grail in pay TV is dynamic ad insertion, and it's very hard, and they're trying to get there, blah, blah, blah. Well, from an online perspective, because we're an online backend, you just, that just, is how it works, dynamic. So uh, we know what the consumer is doing, what their behaviors are, we can deliver uh, a targeted ad. And so the net of all that, it does drive CPM and sponsorship. Um, I don't know, it, it, until we get out there and are really selling in bulk, it's sort of hard to know exactly what that looks like. We have any more questions? Uh, this is for Philip. Um, with your, I'm curious about your video technology. Does it, does it live like, so most you know, tags and stuff live next to the video if you're going to search something. Does yours live within the video? Like how does it work? So we built it actually um, off of video embeds because we were thinking about where does all the video being created and uploaded. Uh, you know, the major platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Vimeo, Dailymotion, also a lot of proprietary players like JW, Brightcove, and so on. So our system actually can speak to all those players. So we can pull any embed into the system, tag it, and then in a sense, it's a data layer that sits on top of the video. It's almost like a double pane window if you think about it. So we never touch the video. We never touch that IP. But the creator benefits because it's getting these extra views, the advertising flows through from the platforms, and they're also in creating a user engagement that's much deeper. Right now they're able to share. Imagine if you're a tourism board. You're making all these beautiful videos, right? But as a viewer, you can't do anything with it. Now you actually can provide that video with the enhanced layer that allows me as a viewer to discover more of those places, to save them, to share with them, to transact with them. And the video embed that we pull in and put the data layer can now be embedded back onto a website or a blog. So now there's distribution. And we're also looking at ways of taking that list, we call it a place list, like a playlist if you think about it, and now can actually go back onto the platforms, onto YouTube, Facebook, Vimeo, Dailymotion, and be next to the video. So we're looking at some of those things right now. How does a, a small website acquire that layer? Do they just well, you, you can actually now, we rolled out the tool so you can tag it yourself. Okay. So you're just using our infrastructure. So you set up a profile which is free on Citizen. Yeah. And then you just tag away. Okay. And, and put it back onto your website. And the thing that's interesting is, speaking to CROs, Chief Revenue Officers of Media Publishers and so on, they're looking at this place list as a new revenue generator. Because where you have a map, it could be an ad. Any lead gen, affiliate, e-commerce can be embedded in there. So, so that's what's really becoming an interesting kind of yeah. conversation. You know. Yeah, we actually are. He's asking sorry. if we didn't add an interface on. So. so we actually, when you sign up and you get your profile for free, you have a little video management system. You can, with one click, not only just pull in the URL of your video on YouTube, you can pull in your entire channel just by taking the channel URL. Right? All right, I'm going to go down the line. One last thing since we're at NAB and it's all about technology and cool devices. What uh, 
what platform, device, piece of tech is kind of your favorite thing right now? It could be having to do with you or it can just have to do with what you like right now. I am loving Instagram. I think Instagram is really killing it right now. I mean, they're, they're you know, far exceeding Snapchat. And uh, particularly for the demo that we serve, I think we're going to place a lot of attention on that. Yeah, I'd say the same for us. I think Instagram stories definitely was kind of like a game game changer. They just announced um, the 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 shop integration into. I think they're just beta testing it, but basically you'll be able to just like push, put your finger on an Instagram picture and buy directly, and it's not an ad that bounces you to another site. So I know that I want to buy half the things that I see on Instagram. So. Um, I can imagine that our audience will really appreciate that as well. That's great. Philip? Uh, the same. You know, Instagram, Facebook, those platforms, which are very important if you're building a brand. Well, Facebook Live, I mean, let's see, yeah, especially what they're doing Instagram now. Also, Instagram Stories, I mean, we were looking yeah. at yesterday about what Rachel Zoe is doing with kind of serialized content on Instagram, in essence, yeah. a tune-in effect. So all these platforms are going to be very interesting for testing content, the way Snapchat, you know, you can do in Snapchat, where brands are actually sort of being built, a lot of them Snapchat first, right? right? So it really depends where your audience is. If you're a younger audience, maybe Snapchat. You know, moms, definitely Facebook, Instagram, you know, so... And Jeff? Yeah, so a little bit different. Maybe not a specific piece of tech, but a category, and that is um, the enablers that allow such high-quality content to be produced with low cost. So very disruptive in the creation of content, and that is what fuels frankly everything that's going on and all of the disruption that's taking place and I think that's just that that just creates opportunity you know we're trying to fill it one way there's a million other ways but that to me is what's most fascinating right now. Well, I want to thank the panel. I want to thank the audience for the patience for our little start, our rough start. And uh, again, you guys have been great, and thank you so much. 